all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Littleton Coin Company is ringing in the holiday season with daily deals. Visit LittletonCoin.com for at least 15% off select products now through November 28th. Save on your favorite coins, such as Morgan Silver Dollars, Kennedy Half Dollars, Commemorative Quarters, and much more. But hurry, each day offers a new deal you don't want to miss. Visit us now at LittletonCoin.com. That's LittletonCoin.com. Littleton Coin Company, serving collectors since 1945. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Takes over, taking over, taking over. This morning, of course, we're starting a brand new series today, which uh, I'm excited about, called Parental Guidance. Amen. We want to start by welcoming those watching live on all of our campuses, including the Video Cafe here at the Aurora Campus. We're excited that you're with us today. Amen. Lift your Bibles out, because I want to get right into this thing. This is going to be show sure enough good. Now, some of y'all ain't where I'm from, and in the country, we say things like, show enough. Show enough just means I know it to be true. So try it with me. Give your neighbor a little country lesson. Say, show enough. Okay, so good. So y'all got your country cards now. Amen. Lift your Bibles. Let's make our confession of faith. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed, and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. Shout that thing. I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing. Flip over to Joshua chapter 24. Again, we are starting part one today of our series, Parental Guidance. And I, and I want to stress that this is not just for uh, parents, but it's for anybody that interacts with young people in any kind of a leadership capacity. And we're going to really dive in this today, and uh, we're going to have a good time. Amen. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter number 24. I encourage you in your own time to read through the whole chapter, but... Uh, we're going to just look at a select few verses that's going to help get where we need to be. You got it, Joshua 24? Verse 1, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Uh, look, look at me. What he was doing is he was reviewing their history with them. One of the things parents uh, have to not be ashamed of is the mistakes they've made. Because when you are able to now parent and deal with your children and tell them, listen, I've been there, we've done this, and all of that, when you're able to do that, they're able to have an appreciation and a respect for what it is you have to say. The many times the reason they won't listen to you is because they don't believe you're dealing with anything they've dealt with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now skip on down to verse 14. He goes through the whole history there. Verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river of Egypt. Serve the Lord. And he shouts that thing. Say it. You shout it. 
serve the Lord. Look at verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, evil means contrary to. And if it seems contrary to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the rivers or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house. And that's what Joshua says. I don't care what y'all doing. But as for me and those living at 11,000 East Yell Avenue. You, you're not hearing that. As for me and my house. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We shall serve the Lord. How about somebody that says for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. But look at verse 16. So the people answer and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is who who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of abundance who did great signs in our sight and preserved us all in the way that we went. Go to verse 22. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. In essence, he said, y'all ain't going to sit up here and make all these declarations in church and not do it at home. He says, so look at verse 23. He says, therefore, he said, put away the foreign God which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. Look at this, 25. So Joshua made a what? covenant with the people in that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote the words down in the book of the law of God. Go, go back to verse 15 one more time. The latter part. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, you hear me because you always do. I pray now that in this moment you would customize, tailor make this word for your people, that they would understand that there is a God that has the ability to speak through one man, and yet many people hear it at one time and hear unique words for their own specific situations. Father, we thank you that you are giving clarity to us that we would raise children, God, that are worthy. We would raise children, God, that are godly. We would raise children, God, that are righteous. We would raise children that can be examples. We'd raise children that would not repeat the mistakes and the folly that we did. We'd raise curse breakers. We'd raise Josephs. We'd raise kings and priests and doctors and lawyers that, that our young people, we can't talk about the world, but as for our houses, our young people shall serve the Lord. We thank you that they shall not be statistics. We thank you that they shall not repeat the same errors that we made. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five two or three people and say, as for me and my house, as for me. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to again reiterate to you this series is not just for parents, but anybody that interacts with children. So the word parent in this series is interchangeable with leader. Say leader. Uh, now watch this. I want to say this. All families have some form of dysfunction. Because as we're going through this, uh, it's important to understand uh, uh, everybody's got their own level of dysfunction. What's normal for one family may not be normal uh, for another because everybody's operating with different standards. And therein lies the problem because as believers, our standards of what a normal family and an appropriate family should be must come out of the word. 
Are you getting that? So, so we can't base it off of all of these external things. We can't base it off of so-and-so's family, off of Pukinem family, off of Keisha. We can't do that. We have to base what we do in our families based off of the word of God. And many times it will seem antithetical to the way we do things in America because the word directly clashes with the way we do things here. Are you getting that? Uh, now, as we move in this, as we move in this, uh, 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 we have to understand the Bible is full of family problems. In fact, the Bible is one big book full of family drama. Uh, you ought to read it sometimes. The first family was a mixed family. They had issues. You know, Cain was not the son of Adam. He was the son of Satan. Uh, first Corinthians or first John, you can read your Bibles or come to Bible college and learn about that. So the first family, you got two kids with different daddies. They're a blended family living together. And they've got drama. Drama to the extent that one half-brother kills the other half-brother. Now, that's drama. I mean, you, you, you're complaining about fighting at the family reunion. Ain't nobody shot nobody, though. I mean, you know. That's drama they've got going on in their family. Yeah. The Bible is full of people with family issues, with Jacob and Esau and the quarreling that they had and so many others. That what says, It's not that there's bad kids. It's not that there's bad parents. It's just that there's bad parenting techniques. I'm going to say it again. It's not that there's bad kids. Kids do what they're allowed to do. It's not that there's bad parents. They do the best they know to do. It's just there's bad parenting. So if you got bad parenting, rather than producing king's kids, you produce baby's kids. Now let's deal with this. Everybody in here and that's going to be looking at every campus has made parenting mistakes. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. So don't sit up in here beating on yourself. Oh, God, is it a good? Is it a good? Everybody, let me tell you, everybody that made some mistakes. That's your neighbor say, you too. So let's do this corporately. Say, Father, we ask that you'd forgive us for all of the parenting mistakes we've made. And we thank you for the opportunity to correct it and get it right. As of this moment, I'm forgiven. Amen. All right, because I can't teach you this if you're sitting up feeling guilty and, and messed up and all that. Got it? Now, I, I call this series Parental Guidance, and we're going to be a bit pedagogical in the teaching today. I call this series Parental Guidance because the question is, who teaches you how to be a good parent? Most schools don't have parenting courses. Most colleges don't offer majors uh, in parenting. Most trade schools don't give you an opportunity to get your associates in parenting. Are you hearing me? So, so most parenting is done from one of three places. The first place is cultural influences. You, you parent based on the culture you came up in, the culture you live in. And, and so many times the problem with culture, though, is that it's reproducing. Our system is perfectly designed to get us the results we're getting. So, so you look at, again, I, I came up in the South, and so in the South, it's a different culture when it comes, uh, and, and particularly in the era I came up, and there were certain rules that were unspoken and unwritten rules, but you knew there were rules. One of the rules was when grown folks were talking, you didn't say nothing. Come on, some of y'all, I mean, when two grown people were talking, you didn't get to what, well, listen, mama, no. It was a cultural thing. Uh, uh, in the South, the culture was that there was a level of discipline, whatever that might be, that was offered uh, to uh, provide a countermeasure to, to disobedience. I clean that up real nice. 
<laughs> you understand that there was consequences that typically involved the death of cows and the use of leather. Now, it was a cultural thing. It, 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 it was a cultural thing. But I started thinking to myself, if that was so effective, why would we call it the dirty south? We call it the dirty south because them kids is bad. Now, I, I want to say this. I'm saying that as in a generalization. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? If whipping kids, let's just go ahead and get there, was so effective, why isn't it working? All the time. Now, because let me be clear. Bible says. All right, okay. But we do it by culture. In some cultures, in, in, in Colorado, the culture is time out. You know, you're sending a 15-year-old in the corner, you know. I, you know, you get in that corner. <laughs> and they're over there cussing you out. And all kind of. Cultural. You got it? Cultural things. But many times, cultural influences aren't biblical influences. Because if it was biblical, it would produce biblical results. I'm not bashing on one way or another. I'm just trying to prove the point. Second, second way, though, that we get parenting is we get it from experimentation. You experiment with stuff. You watch Oprah one uh, Wednesday, and they said, do this, and you turn that out. You, you, you'll talk. Worst thing a believer can do is get parenting advice from unbelievers. Yeah, it's an experiment. You throw it on the wall and hope it sticks. But that's not effective because who suffers? The children. That's who suffers. The young people suffer. The third way, and this is the most popular and the most uh, uh, predominant of ways that we parent, is based on the way we were raised. Your parent based on the way you were raised. Now, now the reason this is so important is because most people have things that they say, when I have kids, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it that way. And most times they end up repeating what they hated about their childhood with their own children. I'm never going to do my kids like that. And then you do them like that. Because you didn't understand why you were done like that. And the truth of the matter is, most of the times, it's subconscious behavior because even though you're focused on not doing it, because it has your focus, you still do it. You missed what I just said. It was so profound, you missed it. Even though you're focusing on not being X, you be and become X because X has your attention. Got it? It's just like somebody says, you know, I, I, I need to stop eating cheeseburgers. And they're focused on not eating cheeseburgers. Problem is, they're still focused on the cheeseburger. So every day they got to pray and repent and fast because they keep messing with them cheeseburgers. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Okay, now, I used to do this thing uh, where I would have people say, open your Bible and go to, I'm not going to do it today, but I, I would do this thing. I said, open your Bible, flip to Psalm 23. And everybody read the 23rd Psalm. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shout, I mean, people know, and they shout, and they're going just crazy. Turn the church up over. And then I said, now put a dot. On the page. Now close your Bible. Open the Bible. What's the first thing you see? The dot. Why? Because even though you just read all of those wonderful promises, that little dot was able to distract you from them. It got your focus. And since it's got your focus, now you're reproducing it. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
now, 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 now watch this. Joshua's message in Joshua 24 to the leaders and to their families is a model for parenting. The truth of the matter is the children of Israel, they're called the children of Israel because they're the children of Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel. So really, not only is it one big church, it's one big family, about four million or so at this particular time. And so Joshua gets up in Joshua 24, and now he is giving them a model for parenting. He's saying, this is how we're going to have to run the nation because we're doing some crazy stuff. There's some things Joshua does. The first thing uh, Joshua does is he speaks to all of the families and their leaders. This is important because, because Joshua needs the parents to understand parenting is stewardship, not friendship. So he says, I'm going to get you and your kids so that they can all see that we got to get this thing together. So parenting is stewardship, not friendship. It's hard for children to follow somebody they see as their equal. As parents, we should be there to understand but not to enable. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Because watch this. Uh, Psalm 127. Matter of fact, flip there real quick. Psalm, Psalm 127. I want you to see this. Psalm 127. And uh, go down to verse number three. You got it? If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. If you're in maps, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Psalm 127, verse three. Behold, in, in essence, he's making an announcement. Children are a heritage from the Lord or God's inheritance. That's this. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, check out the Bible. I love the Bible because sometimes you think it's saying one thing and it says something else. It says children are a reward from God. But a reward doesn't always have a connotation of a prize. A reward for evil is destruction. Got it? That's the reward. That's the payout for what you gave. So many times God says, I am going to show you yourself. That's my reward to you in your kids. So the reason you look at them and some things they do really get to you is because that's you. It's a reward from the Lord. And you look at them and say, well, I ain't never did that. I don't know what it is. And go ask somebody and that's you. I'd have never act like that with my mama. Yes, you did. It's a reward. God says, how you like me now? But look at this. But look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Now, now notice this. They are God's inheritance. Which means, watch this, parents. You're stewards, not owners. But so why is that important to make a distinction? Because sometimes with stuff you own, you may not uh, uh, handle it all the way because you know you own it. Stuff that you're leasing, you know you got to take that back. Your children, let me help your neighbor, are on lease from God. They're his. And God says, now when you bring them back to me and present them to me, they better be better than when I gave them to you. It's the same thing with husbands. Husbands, your wife is not your property. You're leasing her from God. You are steward over her. Which means when I give my wife back to God, she better be better than when I got her. You're a steward. They're his kids. So this is why is that important to note? Because when you treat them bad, God says you're messing with my stuff. 
You heard what I'm saying. Now, look at this. He says, verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Let me just give you a little revelation right here real quick. Uh, what he says is they shall speak with their enemies at the gate. In essence, when I raise my children according to the word of God, all of the enemies I didn't defeat, all of the stuff I didn't handle, all of what I didn't have, when I raise them according to the word of God, they're going to go speak with my enemies at the gate. Which means I may not accomplish it in my generation, but I'm raising up my children so that my children go further and faster than where I went. And they're going to speak to my enemies and say, I'm here about your daddy. They're going to go talk to you one of the enemies. You know, my daddy didn't defeat you, but he trained me right. I'm here to throw down. Imagine that. Imagine all, think of all the lack that, that you had to endure in life because you didn't know. Nobody taught you. The Bible says when I raise my children according to the word of God, they're going to go talk with lack and say, our daddy raised us right. Our mama raised us right. You can't be here, lack. We're going to go speak with our enemies at the gate. Which means you can't even get into our family. Are you getting what I'm saying? Second thing that, that Joshua gives us in this model. Again, I want to go line upon line. Joshua reminds them of where they come from so they remember not to make the same mistakes. It was customary for the Hebrew fathers to replay their family history so that their children knew three things. They, they were literally, the fathers would sit down with their children, He's particularly the firstborn son, because that was the one that would get the inheritance, that was the one that would get the right hand of the blessing. And he would sit down and he would say to them, listen, son, I need you to know our pedigree. I need you to know where you come from. I need you to know the mistakes I've made. I need you to know the mistakes my father made. I need you to know your mama crazy family. I need you to know all of that. I need you to know all of that, son, because you have got to defeat all of that. And when it shows up, I want you to be prepared so that you're not caught. Y'all not hearing what I'm So they give them three things. The fathers would tell them their lineage. Where do I come from? Parents, your children need to know where you come from. Go to Ancestry.com. Go to something. They need to know where they come from. If you only know two generations, tell them that's all you know. Tell them you're like Elijah. You just appear in the Bible. <laughs> Elijah's nowhere until 1 Kings 17. All of a sudden, he just pops up. Where he come from? Go, go as far back as you know. They need to know their lineage. They need to know where do I come from. Because maybe uh, there may be some dysfunction, but there's also some great things. See, I don't care how messed up your family is. There may be some mad, jacked up stuff, but there's some good stuff too. And they need to know where do we come from. Did you know your great-great-granddaddy owned a business? Did you know he did? Did, did you know this? Did you know that? Where do I come from? So I know what's in me. Second thing the fathers would tell them was their potential. So they got their lineage, then they told them their potential. What can I be? Many times the issues we have with our young people is that they can't see beyond the last generation. And parents, if you're upset and unhappy about where you are, that's the only image they can get about their lives. So they think this is the best it's going to be for me. So I got to give them the limits, but then I got to tell them the potential. What can I be? Well, son, you can be this. Son, you can do this. Son, you can do this. Fathers would do this with their sons. 
That's why if you see in the Jewish culture, it's rumored. I haven't confirmed this particular statistic, so I will, I will give that uh, as an asterisk to this. But it said that 3%, Jews are 3% of the Earth's population, but they control 97% of the Earth's wealth. I haven't been able to confirm that, so let me just put that asterisk on there. The point is what? They teach generations. Look at a Jewish family and their business. It's generations. It's Goldberg and Sons. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The third thing they did, and this is why, the third thing they did is they taught their sons their Achilles heel. So they taught, them, they, they taught them their lineage, where did I come from, their potential, what can I be. Then they taught them Achilles heel. They said, son, this is what's been after our bloodline. Son, we got issues with drinking. That's what they tell them. So they say, son, you stay away from them bars. They say, son, we got issues chasing women. So you just get married and go home. Whatever. They tell, watch this, they tell their sons and daughters, these are our Achilles heel. You know what the Achilles heel is? If you cut that, you cannot walk. They say to their children, this is what's after us. So depending on your culture, maybe you need to sit down with your kids and say, you know what's after us? Eating too much fried chicken. Diabetes is after us. That's our Achilles heel. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Too much shitlings. That's how our Achilles heal. Leave that pig alone. Except for Thanksgiving. I can do once a year. Okay, watch this. Yeah, say that. Because think about, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. I want you to check the imagery. Watch this. What was Solomon's problem? Women. 700 wives, 300 girlfriends, concubines. Some men saying, Bishop, I can't even handle one. I don't know how he got a thousand of them. He let his servants handle the rest of them. He's like, go talk to her. <laughs> She's crying. Go fix it. <laughs> Get you some staff. That's what you need. Check this out. What was his daddy's problem? Women. David. What was David's problem? He's sitting over there. He's supposed to be out fighting. He stayed at home. He's leaning over the balcony. And he, 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 he had issues. And if you trace his bloodline, you'll find that Rahab's in there. Are you getting this? But he didn't sit his son down and say, son, I need to tell you, we got issues with promiscuity. We don't, we, 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 so, so that's our Achilles heel. So you can't do that. Isn't that something? Imagine, parents, how much joy. Watch this. All the grown folks, imagine all the stuff you wouldn't have had to go through. Had your mama and daddy sat you down and said, hey, 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 hey. Now, now somebody's saying, well, Bishop, I, I'm a single mother. I, there is no father in the home. Guess what? If you're a single mother, uh, uh, this, this, watch this, uh, you can do just like the fathers did with the sons. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're grace for the job. If you're a single mother, God thinks a lot about you because he said, I'm going to let you do the job for two people and I'm going to let one person do it. Which means you ought to be pretty strong. You must be pretty tough. If you were raised in a single mother home or a single parent home, you ought to thank God. God thought enough about them that they could get the job done by themselves. 
third thing Joshua does, it's a plan for parenting. Third thing he does is he gives them a plan. The Bible calls it a covenant. Watch this. God tolerates what you tolerate in your family. If you tolerate acting crazy, God says, well, okay. Obviously, you like it. But watch this. We'll plan a business. We'll plan a vacation. We'll plan a wedding. But what's your family plan? You plan all these things. People plan weddings, but they rarely plan the marriage. Because after the wedding comes the marriage. You have beautiful ceremonies on Bravo. <laughs> Wonderful. Spend thousands and thousands of dollars and then go home and think, what in the world? Maybe all that money we spent will help make it better. No, and I want my gift back too. If you, okay, what's this? I'm joking. So if you're the leader of a family, because remember parental guidance, remember I told you the word parent here is interchangeable. If you're the leader of a family, you've got to have a plan. Where are we going and how are we going to get there? That's what Joshua did. He said, here's our plan. We're going to serve the Lord. The rest of you that don't want to, you can go. That's the plan. Then he says, listen, you don't have to abide by this plan, but you just can't stay here. All right, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some good stuff. Got it? Fourth thing, fourth thing, and here's what I want to get. Joshua draws a line in the sand. Remember, he's giving us a model for parenting. He draws a line in the sand, and Joshua makes a big, bold statement. He says, as for me, I don't know what y'all going to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, so here's the question. As a parent, what lines must be drawn in the sand? Well, Bishop, what, what, is, what is a line that's got to be drawn in the sand? It, it's a non-negotiable on how our house is going to run. And if you, if, if you have no children, you're a couple, you have no children, then number one, enjoy that time. And number two, you still need to have non-negotiables on how your house is going to run. Got it? Every parent must have some non-negotiables. Non-negotiables, rather. If you won't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Got to have non-negotiables. When you go to your job, they may give you some leniency, but they've got some non-negotiables. You don't just get to go, I just feel like the Lord wants me to go to lunch now. They tell you, I feel like it's time for you to, un uh, to clean your desk out. That's the way we feel. We heard the Lord too. Are you getting what I'm saying? Watch this. Watch this. So, so, so as parents, we've got to say, as for me and my house, we will blank. And guess what? If you don't fill in the blank, the default is fail. If I don't fill in that blank with some non-negotiables for my house, the default is, as for me and my house, we will fail. That's the default. That's what it's set to automatically. Are you getting what I'm saying? So are you ready to, to make some lines in the sand? Okay, let me give you some lines in the sand that you're going to make. So, as for me and my house, well, we know the first one. We will serve the Lord. That's the first line we got to draw in the sand, which means we're going to serve the serve God, and we're going to be faithful to church no matter what. My children see me plan my life around church. And parents, children need to see you serving. They need to see you worshiping. What? You tell them you just need to get close to the Lord. But you won't. 
You won't lift your hands. You won't open your mouth. Now, maybe Bishop, I'm not that demonstrative. That's fine. Do something. Throw your leg out to the side. Is it do the James Bond? Do something, man. Come on. <laughs> something. Do something. <laughs> Are you getting this? Parents, children need to see you pray. They see you doing it. They need to hear you doing it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Go on there and pray, boy. No. Come here, boy. Let's pray. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So the first line we got to draw on the saying is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, which means, which means family. Uh, but we're going to wake up early enough so that in the morning we're not running around like we didn't know it was coming. And we're going to pray together. Would that be something? If in the morning you spent three minutes, you ain't got to have no long, drawn out, tearing at the altars, foaming at the mouth kind of prayer. <laughs> what if you started your day with your family praying? Husbands and wives, what if you standing your day, started your day coming together and said, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that you act right. <laughs> we're going to pray that I act right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the first line we got to draw in the sand. And, and that's so important. I, I want to reiterate that. Parents, your children need to see you planning your life around church. If they see you miss church for every little reason, no wonder they think that that's the way to do it. And so then you say, come on, young people, students, come on, getting students, getting students. They're unfaithful because you're unfaithful. It's quiet in the church. That's okay. I wasn't expecting shouters, so I got Carolyn on a 15-minute standby. She's just going to pop across the stage in about 15 minutes. <laughs> Second line we got to draw. As for me in, and my house, second thing, we will seek the Lord on how to be a good parent. We will seek the Lord on how to be a good parent. Now, uh, in Judges, you, you, know, you know Samson. Y'all remember Samson? Y'all remember Samson? Now, 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 now watch this. Watch this. Uh, we pray for this. We pray for that. But how many ask to be better parents? You ask for houses, cars, diamonds, pearls. But how many people say, Lord, I want to be a better parent? Help me, Jesus. In, 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 watch this, watch this. In Judges 13, uh, Manoah, matter of fact, flip there real quick. Judges 13 and 8. Judges 13 and 8. Judges 13 and 8. I want you to see this. Because this is a line you draw to grow on the sand. You have to realize, even as we go through this series, I'm not going to address every little issue that happens in your house. So there's some stuff you're going to have to seek the Lord and get wisdom from him on how to deal with. We're dealing with a whole new set of problems today. We're, we're, we're dealing with all kinds of stuff. Do you know the average age a young person gets introduced into pornography is between 8 and 12? That wasn't a problem a few decades ago. So if you're trying to use uh, old faithful Aunt Jemima's methods of parenting, that ain't going to work. Got it? Judges 13 and 8. Look at this. Then Manoah, that's Samson's father, prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God, oh, my God, I could just preach right there, whom you sent come to us again, watch this, and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. That's a man to me, Manoah. Manoah said, I got enough sense to know I don't know what I'm doing. The genius in the room is the one who realizes his weaknesses. 
and knows how to supplement them. So you think because you don't have no weaknesses, that makes you a genius. Oh, no, quite the contrary, because you do, and you're deceived in thinking that you don't. The genius in the room says, I know my weakness, and I know how to counteract it. Manoah says, Lord, let the man of God teach us how to raise this child because we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. He asks. So second, second thing is as for me and my house, we will seek the Lord to be good parents. Are you getting this? Third thing. As for me and my house, we will not have favorites. Amen. Come on, Kelly. You ready? They're going to start to shout in just a minute. Okay. <laughs> we will not have favorites. Watch this. Playing favorites in families creates enemies. You, you, you remember when Jacob did that? And, and his favorite was Joseph. And every, all the other brothers knew he favored Joseph. So what they do? They hated Joseph. When you play favorites, parents, you create enemies. They will end up hating the one you favor. So I can't play favorites. Instead, here's what you do. I have unique relationships with each one of my children. You got to learn how to work, work it now. You gotta, gotta, I have unique relationships. See, parents, truth be told, you got some kids, and I said this before, you got some kids that if you ever gotten some trouble, There'll be one or two that you know, okay, they can deal my money. They can handle all this. They're going to get the bills. Through and then you got something you just say, Lord, I can't let them touch that. Lord, they be them bad men in the parking lot somewhere talking about mama, all right? You, know, you got something that you just know. They can't handle this. It's too much. So I got to have unique relationships. And so I can't play favorites. Okay? Because here's what happens. Favorites creates enemies. Got it? And connected to that and not having favorites, I can't compare my children with somebody else's children. Well, you know, Sally's kids, you're not Sally. Maybe that's why Sally's kids act that way, because they got Sally as a mama. No, as you get to the point, I can't compare my children with someone else's children because it will make them hate their own proclivities. And they'll hate who you compare them to. This is why I tell people, I tell people, if, if you're in church and your spouse don't come to church, don't go home to my bishop said, bishop said, bishop. They're going to hate me and don't even know me. Well, bishop was saying, bishop said, bishop said, bishop said, you know, don't be doing that. They will end up hating me because of you. Can't do that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting this? Practical. See, this is real practical. I know y'all want to go to the third heaven today, but I just figured I'd bring you back to the first so we could get these things handled. Amen? Because wouldn't it be a shame, wouldn't it be a shame for us to have all of these wonderful things and all of this great kingdom and all of this taking over and all of these wonderful spiritual things and all of these outpourings of the Spirit of God and our kids are bad? Wouldn't that be a travesty against God? Got it? Fourth thing. As for me and my house, we will communicate. Families are notorious for assumptions. Kids assume mama meant one thing. Mama assumed the kid meant one thing. So as a family, we have to talk. Don't assume. Ever. And parents, when you're talking to your kids, here's the truth. You need to know their language. What do they mean when they talk? Because it is not standard English. 
You know, we sitting here, New King James, they talking about NIV. I mean, it's two totally different languages. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to talk to them. Not be a tyrant. I know some of y'all are just so happy you're in charge of somebody, and so they're your kids, and so you're just a tyrant. You rule them. Sit over there. Okay. Everything all right? I'm in charge here. Okay. <laughs> and they think it to themselves, I hate him. I can't wait until I can leave and get out of here. He want to run something. I can't wait till I run something. And they'll start plotting. Wait till he get old. I'm going to put him in a home. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, you got, you got to, parents, we got to think about this stuff because one day it's going to. We have to communicate with our children. Communication is two way. It's not just listen, 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 listen. Don't talk. You know, some parents are like the Wild Wild West. They just shoot first and ask questions later. Boom, 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 boom. Now tell me what happened. You crucified them. Talk to them. You get a call from the school. You don't even want to hear that side. I, I guess I'm so sick of this little team. Chill out. Parents, it's so important that we build relationships with our young people before they get into the phase where it's too cool to have one or when it's too late, they don't want one. Say that again so that we may. It's important you build a relationship with your children because at some stage, if you don't have that relationship, they're going to think it's too cool to have one. Now, see, again, that's a cultural thing because, see, when I was coming up, uh, mama, big mama, everybody, they come down to the school and they didn't care how they came. They come in a house coat. Yeah, come on. Some, some of y'all got a house coat cut. I mean, they just come down to the school. Got on peak house shoes. <laughs> they just come. But now we live in a day where, you know, they don't even tell you about parent-teacher conferences because they don't even want you there. So I got to build relationship. Relationship. Before it's too cool to have one. Or parents, you talking about let's build a relationship, they're 58. They don't want one now. It gets to the point where it becomes too late. And you don't want that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Am I helping anybody today? See, some parents never speak to their kids unless it's something negative that they say. And then they wonder why their kids don't like them. Because you represent pain to them. When if every time you open your mouth to speak to your children, it's a negative, they, you represent pain to them. Why can't you do this? Why can't you do this? Now, when's the last time you said, good job? What I said, I'm proud of you. You, you got to learn how to PCP, praise, criticize, praise. So you did an excellent job at that. Now that we're going to work on. But I tell you, you're really making progress. You will make that little boy's day. I mean, he'll be walking around smiling. She said, what's wrong with you? Nothing, 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 nothing. I'm good. Because he got affirmation. Affirmation is a powerful tool. Yeah? So we got to get to know our kids. There's something, you live in the same house, you don't even know what color they like. The simple stuff. And because culturally, or the way you were raised, y'all didn't talk about that stuff. 
Got it? You got people that you're supposed to lead. You don't even know what they like to do. I say, I say, you want to go play basketball? You don't even know. They don't even like sports. Now, if you say, let's go to the poetry meeting, they want to go. You don't know that, though, unless you talk and build a relationship with them. What's their favorite color? Who are their friends? Oh, this is, uh, this is, this is Ray. Oh, God. Give me a name. This is Tyrone. I don't think we got no Tyrones that I know of. It's Tyrone. Well, who is Tyrone? Oh, he goes to school. Oh, okay, good. Well, bring him in. Come on, I'm going to meet Tyrone. Let's talk. Come on, Tyrone. You want to eat something? Well, what y'all doing? Y'all doing something bad? Pain, 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 pain. pain. I want to meet Tyrone. Y'all want me to? I'll drop y'all to the movie. I'll drop y'all to the show. I'll drop y'all. What they don't know is, not kids, cozy is, what they don't know is, is that set up. I'm dropping you off to the movies because I want to see who's there. You think, man, that's real awesome. My parents are like, mm hmm, mm hmm, show is. Who in there? What you didn't know is when you told me and text me on Friday morning, I bought myself a ticket in advance online, and I'm going to be sitting in the back of the thing. So you got to learn how to get with the 21st century. <laughs> fifth thing, fifth thing, I got to move. As for me and my house, we will love one another. This is so important. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. Don't turn there for the sake of time. It talks about, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, don't despise chastening, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or disciplines. So it's important that as a family and as a parent, you tell your children you love them. And for many parents, it's uncomfortable. They don't even know how to say it. Hey, uh, 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 I love you. What? This is what I appreciate in my home, my mother, she was, we would go around in circles but for 15 minutes in the nighttime. I love you. Good night. 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 And then just in case the Lord came back, we said, good night. I love you. Good night. I love you. Good night. It's important that you tell them that. They don't know that. Go tell them, I love you. And then hug them. And let me try to act tough and hard. I don't need no hug. And get the, get the hard ones, too. I mean, bring them over and then kiss them on the cheek. I mean, long, too. And do it when you're dropping them off to school. Come in, Terrell. Love you, baby. <laughs> Tell them that. Now remember, maybe you're not a parent, so maybe you're just somebody that interacts with children. So, so you have to let them know, you know, hey, you, you know, you're doing a good job. You got, you got to give them encouragement. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, 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 so it's important. As for me and my house, we will love one another. Which means, parents, sometimes you're going to have to love your children in the change. You talking, they ain't hearing. You're just going to have to love them through it. You're trying to tell them, she is no good for you. He is no good for you. Now, you don't know. You don't know what kind of thing we got going on. We've been together for four months. And let me tell you something. You don't know, and we know about love because see, Okay, cool. Fine. 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 You know what you're doing. Okay. Fine. Leave him alone. I love you. And when what you know is going to happen, happens. And they come to you crying. Just. I told you. <laughs> 
But you got to love them in the chain. Some people can't be talked out of it. You got to love them out of it. And connected to loving one another, parents never sacrifice your children for the sake of your reputation. Especially in church and in the body of Christ, you'd be amazed at how many pastors' children have been sacrificed on the altar of the opinion of the congregation. And they trade their children so that the people think they got it together at their house. Never sacrifice them so you look good to somebody else. What you don't know is that somebody else already talking about you. Don't sacrifice them so that somebody else, uh, for the sake of your reputation, got it? Okay, can I give you two more? All right, sixth thing. As for me and my house, we will have clear consequences and or discipline. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Got to have clear boundaries. And the rules can't change depending on how you feel. Because, see, parents, they know when to hit you up. They know to come to you on Friday. See, they know when you get paid now. They know, they know your pay schedule. Because you got a better attitude now. Oh, y'all say, man, I'm in your Kool-Aid. It is red. They know when you're happy, so they know when to hit you up. So about Wednesday, Thursday, they start massaging, kind of getting them ready. When Friday morning comes, hey, mama. Ooh, God has been so good to us, giving you us as a mama. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, God is good. I was just telling the Lord the other day, thank you. <laughs> they know. And they know your rules change when you feel good. <laughs> it's so right. You can't do nothing but just, that's right. They know. So the rules can't change depending on my feelings. There's got to be some clear set boundaries and clear set discipline. If you do A, this is what's going to happen. If you do B, this is what's going to happen. You do C, and that's the law of the land, period. So no matter what, because sometimes you don't even feel like the fight. Sometimes you don't even feel like, this is, let them do it. But when you do that, you set a precedence. And now they know you are a pushover. And there's no backbone to what you say. That's why they don't take you serious. You'd be like, son, stop that. Right. Seventh and last thing. Seventh and last thing. Are y'all getting it? I told you. Okay, Kelly, where you at? Come on. Come on, run. Come on, don't shut <laughs> All right, here we go. Seventh thing. Seventh thing. This is so important, parents. We will affirm, as for me and my house, we will affirm and bless our children. We will affirm and bless our children. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it talks about how uh, Jesus there, and as he gets baptized, uh, that the voice of the Lord appears and says, Behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus was God in the flesh. He was the anthropos. He was the God-man. He was so much God you couldn't believe he was man. So much man you could not believe he was God. He was God in the flesh. He was not some extension of God. He was not God's cousin. He was not the offspring of God. He was God. But if even God needed affirmation, 
if even God needed to be blessed, then what we think about little Sheila now, they need it too. So you have to affirm them. Fathers, your daughters will never ever look for affirmation from another man when you tell them you're beautiful. They tell them, baby, you're beautiful. Woo, girl. Good God Almighty, you're beautiful. Gotta tell you, son, son, you're strong. Because men, we're on this quest all of our lives trying to prove and demonstrate and expostulate our masculinity. And so sometimes all a father has to do is say, Sean, you're strong. You're good. You're good. You ain't got to do that. Why do men jump from woman to woman to woman to woman to prove they're a man? That's what they do. But imagine if a father would say, son, you're strong. You're good. You don't have to do that. That one sentence, it happened in one verse, but it changed the future forever. Imagine that. You say, but Bishop, there's no man in my house. Then I already told you, mama's handle it. Tell your daughters, you're beautiful. Girl, you're, you're wonderful. You know how smart you are. Not, oh, you're this And no wonder why they do that. And every time you talk, a big red flash goes up. Pain, pain. Pain. So you think and you're getting through to them. I think I really got to them today. No. They just realized that the best way to get you to stop talking is for them to stop talking. They just realized she'll stop when I stop. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So here's the reality, though. Many parents have never had that spoken to them. So they don't know to give it to their children. They, ne they were never affirmed. They were never told that there's something. They were never told that there's somebody. They were never told what they can be. And so now when you talk about doing it for your children, it's foreign because where do I start? What do I say? How do I do it? How, how, how do I love them? How, how, how do I show my sons that I can be intimate with them and I can hug them and love them and ain't no funny business? How, how do I do that? So today, Father, in the name of Jesus, just remain seated. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every individual here that's never been affirmed or never been blessed, as their pastor, I speak affirmation to them. And I speak the blessing to and over them now. That wherever they feel like they are inadequate or that they are lacking, I pray that now they would hear this voice and this voice would be a confirming voice and an affirming voice. And they would know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made that they will know they are strong enough, they are smart enough, they have what it takes, they can make it, they are somebody, they're not a failure, they're not idiots, they're not mistakes, but they are kings and priests. So for everybody that's never heard it, I speak it into your life. I said I speak it into your life. That you can take what you've received and give it to the generations to come. Everybody stand on your feet. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. 
Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com.